And the world will always label you as that. And so right here in the Bible, he's called Simon the leper. And so, but here's the amazing thing is that here's Jesus. He comes in and he sits down. He's in Simon the leper's house. He's sitting down with Simon. But guess what? Simon no longer had leprosy. Simon was healed. He had an encounter with Jesus before that happened, and he was miraculously healed. But there was something else happening here at the table, and this is what I want you to see. Now, keep in mind, this was just a few days before the Passover, which we're near that season right now because Passover is just happening just a few days from now because we have Resurrection Sunday happening in two weeks. And so here they are. They're in the town of Bethany, and they're at Simon the leper's house. And Martha's in there, and she's preparing food, and she's cooking. I'm not sure what was on the menu, but she was cooking and getting things ready for Jesus. And so Jesus sits down at the table, but there's somebody else sitting down there with him. And it was Lazarus, the one that was dead, but now is alive again. Can Just picture this, this scene for a minute. P- picture this, these dinner guests. Here's Jesus. He's sitting in this house. Martha's cooking. Simon, who once had leprosy, he's there. And Lazarus, the one that was dead, is now sitting there as well at this dinner table. And so I want you to think about this for a minute because I want us to rewind and I want you to see why they ended up at this dinner table. Why was they making this dinner? What was such a big deal? Because just days before that, Lazarus was raised from the dead. But see, today what I want to talk to you about that there's life beyond the born-again experience. So I want to again look at this dinner scene. So let's rewind. Are you ready? Are you still with me? Everybody shout, I'm with you. All right. How many know that in Jesus, when we're in Jesus, we're a new creation? According to 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So in Christ, we're all made new. How many is in Christ here? Raise your hand real high if you're in Christ. How many don't know who you're in this morning? Raise your hand real high. Well, hopefully before the end of the service, you'll be in Christ, all right? Is everybody still with me? So in Christ, we're a new creation. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. So again, now I want to go back just a few days before this because we find Jesus at a very, very odd scene. Jesus gets he gets notified that his friend Lazarus is sick. And so Jesus goes now to the town of Bethany. But by the time Jesus gets there, I'm not going to go ahead and go through the whole story for you word by word because you already heard it last week. But I want to share with you and just kind of paint a picture of what happened. Jesus now, he comes into Bethany. And as you know, the, the sisters come and meet him, Mary and Martha, right? Mary and Martha come. They run to Jesus. and They're like, Lord, if you had just been here, things would have been different. What happened? Jesus began to remind them, hey, look, I am the resurrection. I am the life. You know, I, nothing is impossible with man. He begins to remind them of these things. Well, they go back and forth, and they're talking about what's happening. And, and so Jesus now, he says, bring me to the place where you've laid him. Bring me to this place. So now keep in mind, this is four days. Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. He died, and, and now he's in the tomb for four days. And Jesus says to him, where have you laid him? And what Jesus was basically saying was, show me the place where you stop believing me for a miracle. Bring me to the place where you stop having faith in me for the impossible. Because with me, nothing 
is impossible. Shout amen, somebody, if you're still with me. He says, show me the place where you lost your faith. Show me the place where you stopped believing. And there is some in here today where you were believing God for something, and then it didn't happen the way that we were hoping it was, and then we stopped believing. And God is saying to believe again, to have faith again, to let faith rise again. And so now Jesus says to him, he says, roll away the stone. Everybody shout, roll away the stone. And so he says, roll away the stone. And the sisters replied, Lord, by this time there's a stench because he's been gone now for four days. And so even the sisters now gave up in this situation. Even when friends and family give up on us, how many know Jesus will never stop? The Lord will never stop. How many in here can say that God's never given up on you? Come on. How many feel like the chasing of the Lord? You know in Scripture and Psalms where it says his goodness and mercy follow me all the days of his life? How many in this room would raise, come on, raise your hand real high of goodness and mercy. You feel goodness and mercy. You feel Jesus. You feel the Lord. Like even when everybody else gave up on you, when you gave up on yourself, when nobody else was around, the Lord never gave up on you. Even when I was in my darkness, in my dark hours, in my sin, and, and when, in my running, God always runs after me. And so here's Lazarus, man. He's dead for four days, and Jesus still sees hope. That's the amazing thing about the Lord. And so in that moment there, Jesus calls out, Lazarus, come forth, right? Picture this. He's in the cemetery, and he shouts out, Lazarus, come forth. When God calls you, he calls you by name. He calls you Maddie. He calls you Nick. He calls you George. When God calls you, he calls you by name. Jesus called out to Lazarus in his present condition. Lazarus didn't have to fill out an application. He didn't have to have a credit check. He didn't have to have a background check. It was just the fact that he was there. Sometimes all you got to do, you know what, you know what the only, our only requirement is of the Lord is to be available. Somebody shout, I'm available. Come on. The fact that you're here this morning says that you're making yourself available. There's a 100% chance that if you did not come to this church service today, that that whatever is said today, you won't get it. You won't understand it. Yeah, I know there might be people online that's watching it, but being in the house of God is a big deal. It's a big difference. So I want to keep going. Are you still with me? Jesus calls us out of darkness. And so when the Lord called Lazarus, this was like Lazarus coming out of darkness into light. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you. Somebody shout, he called me. That was weak. Somebody shout, he called me. Come on. He called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so here, Jesus calls out to Lazarus. Tomb is rolled away. Lazarus comes out. Exactly, Jack. Is that Jack? Hey, Jack. This moment was exactly what Jesus did. He called Lazarus out of darkness into his marvelous light. Jesus was not finished with Lazarus yet. How many know that God is not finished with you yet? And in that moment here, Jesus calls Lazarus out of the tomb. Oftentimes when a person gives their heart to the Lord and becomes born again, they stop right there and they don't go any further. So I want you to think about this for a minute. Here's Lazarus. He's in the tomb. He comes out. Now, what did Lazarus look like when he came out of the tomb? Help me out. Does anybody know the story? What was he wearing? He was wearing grave clothes, right? So he was wrapped up. He looked like a mummy, right? Samson was talking to me the other day about mummies. He's like, is there real people inside of mummies? And so picture Lazarus like a mummy coming out of the tomb. I don't know if he hopped out. I don't know if he just scooted out or if he floated out, but he came out of the tomb. 
He was there. He came out of darkness into the light. And so what that represents, it's kind of like our born-again experience. And so all of us in here, we all, you accepted Christ into your life. It was like coming out of darkness into light. So when Lazarus comes out of the tomb, he was still bound, wrapped up in grave clothes. And Jesus immediately addresses the situation and, and calls out to everyone that was watching, loose him and let him go. In that moment, everyone that stood by, instead of judging and responding, they responded the right way and helped Lazarus to get free from the grave clothes. So now I'm going to go deeper. Are you ready? Everybody shout, I'm ready. Lazarus was still bound. He was alive, but he was still bound. He was still wrapped up. As born-again believers, I want to say this to you. This may blow your mind. We can be forgiven, but not free. I want to say that again. We can be forgiven from sin, but yet not free. What do I mean? In the same way as Lazarus came out of the tomb, he was alive. He went from death to life. But the problem was he was still wrapped up in his grave clothes, so yet he was, in essence, forgiven, but he was not free. He was still bound. He was still wrapped up. You see, there's always going to be a struggle with sin. How many know that? Because somebody shout a big amen to that. Maybe you sinned on the way to church this morning. Maybe you sinned thinking about something wrong. I don't know what, what happened, but we, all, we will all struggle with sin. As long as we're still in the, this flesh suit called our body, we're still always going to struggle with sin. But there's a difference between being trapped in sin and habitual sin. Okay, There's a difference there about being stuck in a place of sin. All right, being stuck in the, in the same addiction, being stuck in the same um, uh, thing that has us bound. But here's the good news. We can be free. We can. The enemy would want to convince us with lies saying we'll always be bound. We'll always be addicted. We'll always be sick. We'll always be stuck in this thing that we're struggling with every day. Today, we're going to learn how to walk in freedom. Today, we're going to learn how to walk in that freedom. There's one thing of getting born again. And many of us in this room, maybe somewhere in your life, you've accepted Jesus to be your Lord, to be your Savior. But today we're going to talk about how to really be free. Somebody shout, I'm ready to be free. Come on. And Galatians 5.13 says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Anytime that the scripture says brothers and sisters, he's talking to the church. He's talking to fellow believers. Do you know that the Bible was written to believers? It was not written to Unbelievers, it was written to the believers. How do I know that? Because in the church of Rome, right, Romans, in the church of Ephesus, Eph are you getting this? So he was talking to the church. He was talking to believers. When he says, you brothers and sisters or brethren, he's talking to the body. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. And so it was always God's desire for us to walk in freedom. Getting born again, that's the start. But too many, too often, we as Christians, we stop there at the born-again experience. God doesn't want us to be spiritual babies. God wants us to grow up in the Lord. Come on. How many in here has been born again, let's say, for more than five years? Raise your hand real high. More than five years. Amen. All right, good. How about more? Only five of y'all been more, more than five years? How about more than 10 years? Been born again. 10 years. 15. How many hung out with Jesus when he was on the earth? <laughs> All right. And so there's a lot of us in here have been born again for a while. And so there's a place where we leave that born again experience and now begin to grow in the Lord. Here's the second thing. Jesus said, loose him and let him go. 
Everybody say that. Loose him and let him go. So Jesus, instead of he, what he was saying was, don't look at him in judgment. He just got, he just came out of the grave. How often do you and I, as soon as somebody gets born again, the first thing we want to do is look at them and say, man, look at them, man. They're still messed up. Look, they got the, you know, the tattoos all over. Maybe they got weird piercings and they got crazy hair or wearing something bad, on, you know, some kind of crazy shirt or something like that. And so instead of looking at them in judgment, Jesus said, don't look at them in judgment. Go and help him. What he was saying was, go disciple them. Go tell them about the Lord. Teach them how to pray. Teach them the Bible. Teach them how to, you know, what, why is it important to go to church? You know, and that's our responsibility as, as the body of Christ to come around people who give their heart to Jesus and say, listen, this is how you grow. This is called discipleship. Are you still with me? Come on, this, this word here today, if we get a hold of this word, we'll grow as believers. We'll grow in the Lord. Instead of looking at him in judgment, those that were near, they jump to action and they help them get free. How often do we go ahead and we judge and we just overlook somebody instead of helping them get discipled? He couldn't do it by himself. He needed help getting free. You know, it reminds me of when there was a man that was lame and he couldn't get to Jesus by himself, but he had four friends that picked him up. Remember, he was sitting on a mat and they picked him up and they brought him to Jesus. And, and they didn't stop there. They, they couldn't get in through the front door. So the story says they, they propped him up on top of the house. You remember the story? And they, and they didn't stop there. You know, they went ahead and they dug a hole and they lowered him down to the Lord. You know, when we get born again, we need people like that around us. We need people like that to lift us up. Come on, amen? We need people like that to come around us and help us dig in prayer and dig in the word and help us get to Jesus. I know me personally, I need help a lot of times when I'm going through struggles and you know, I'll call up men of God in my life and, and we'll talk about the things of God. And it helps me grow in my faith. Is anybody still with me? You still getting this? As fellow believers in Christ, it's our responsibility to jump in and serve wherever is needed. You know, immediately, you know, a lot of them could have said, you know what, Jesus, I'm not called to unwrap a dead dude. I don't feel called to do that. I don't feel led to do that, you know. How many times we, we, I, get, I hear that so often, you know, pastors, you know, oh, pastor, I don't feel led to go ahead and, you know, do the nursery or something like that. I don't feel led to, you know, drive the van or, to, you know, to mow the grass or to go pick up somebody for church, you know. How many know that the general call for all of us in here is to help disciple? Do you know that? When Jesus, in Matthew 28, he said, go and make disciples, he didn't say, hey, only a handful of you, only the leadership, or only those who've been saved for a certain amount of time, go and make disciples. He was looking at everybody. He said, go and make disciples. It's, it's called living outside of yourself. You see, there are a lot of people, when they, begin, when they get born again, all they want to do is, okay, feed me, serve me. You know, this morning, you know, as I was, I was thinking, I'm getting ready to send out a text, and I'm, I'm ready to do a video and stuff, and I'm thinking, you know, the first thing we want to see is, okay, God, you move today. God, do something in somebody's life. Do something in our lives. Do something in my life. And God is saying, hold on. I've, I've done a lot so far. How about you do something now in the name of the Lord? Do something that brings glory to me. You see, a lot of times when we come into church, we come in and we just want to be consumers. We just want to sit down and say, okay, pastor, what, let's, hear, let's, hear the, let's hear what God's saying. Okay, worship team, come on, sing me happy. I had a hard week. You know, they didn't, 
I didn't get paid in full on this job. You know, I, got, I, need, <laughs> I, need, I need encouragement here this morning. You know, I didn't get that job I was hoping for. You know, things are going wrong in my family right now. Come on, I need a word. And, and I get that. There are times when we need to come in and we need to hear the voice of God 100%. Absolutely. I've come in like that before. But when I come in, I come in and say, okay, God, I need a touch from the Lord, but for a reason. Not just to make me feel good, but God, do something in me so you can do something through me. Are you catching that? God, do something in me, not just so I can have a good goosebump and speak in tongues and have a good old time in church, but God, do something in me so, God, you can do something through me as a father. God, so I can be a good father to my children, so I can be a husband to my wife, or God, help me to be a wife to my husband, and however that fits, that's how God wants to do something in you so that way you can do something for the glory of God. Amen? You see, we don't need to have a big revelation from God to help, our, help, help each other out. In the Lord, if we see somebody in the rain, we don't need a revelation from God that they need uh, an umbrella. You know, if they're getting wet, you know, let's try to help them get dry. Is everybody still with me? You see, this phase, phase of the story is all about discipleship. This is where we begin to grow in faith. This is where we begin to study the Word of God, and the Word of God begins to study us, and it reveals our hearts. This is where we identify the areas of our life that keeps us living holy and set apart for the Lord. See, I know maybe this may be hitting you in, in a different way this morning, but see, this is what's going to help us stand through storms. This is what's going to help us stand through the trials and when we're going through rough times and, and when the storms come, we'll be able to, to keep standing because discipleship goes beyond our born-again experience. You know, for a long time, you know, I, every Sunday I would come up and I would give my heart to Jesus every Sunday. Every Sunday I would come up and give my heart to Jesus. I would get born again every Sunday. I'd get born again again. Okay, another altar call. I'd get born again again. And there's nothing wrong with continuing to give your heart to the Lord. We have to do that. But there comes a time where we have to begin to grow in our faith and grow in the Lord. Is anybody getting this so far? Is anybody getting bored? No? Okay, we can't stop at the born-again experience. We must grow in the Lord. And Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith just as you are taught. There's a greater level of faith and love to experience when we make the choice to be intentional about spiritual growth, how to stand, how to walk in freedom, from habitual sin, how to stay free from unforgiveness, how to stay free from bitterness, how to stay free from hurt. How to st it doesn't mean that we're going to, not going to be tempted to get, to get disappointed. It doesn't mean we're not going to be tempted to be negative. But what it means is that we don't have to stay negative. We don't have to stay in a place of addiction. We don't have to stay in a place of bitterness. We don't have to stay in a place of offense. Because don't get me wrong, temptation will happen. Temptation will always take place. But it's up to us, what are we going to do when we're faced with that temptation? How many this morning was tempted to become offended? Raise your hand. How many was, temp how many was tempted to, you know, think wrong of somebody on the way to church this morning? Raise your hand. All right. All oh, y'all liars. Uh, how many was tempted to, to, to tell somebody off on the way to church this morning because they cut you off? How many here wanted to go ahead and argue with your spouse on the way to church this morning? And so these are things that we're faced with at all times. 
we're always tempted. Maybe you were tempted not to come to church this morning. So how do we get free? So how do we do it, Pastor? How do we get free? What's the remedy? What do I do? You see, what you got to understand is that when Jesus came to the tomb of Lazarus, what did he do? Did he walk in? Did he walk in the tomb? No. What did Jesus do? He spoke the word. Here's Jesus, the word, the living word, standing in the flesh. And here Jesus says he spoke the word, and Lazarus responded to the word. And that word brought him out of darkness into light. Then Jesus spoke again and said, loose him and let him go. What was he doing? He was given a command how to disciple and how to get free. So you know what gets me free is his word. It's his spoken word. It's the rhema word, the spoken word. It's the logos word, the written word. And so when the word of God, Jesus said this, he said, if you abide in my word, my word abides in you. You'll be my disciples indeed. Jesus said that in John 8, 31. And then it goes on to say this, and you'll know the truth. Come on, help me out. And what? Shout it real loud if you know it. And the truth will set you free. So that means that if I study his word and I abide and I live in and I remain in his word and I allow his word to take root in my life, that means that it can create a freedom in me that I've never known. The Bible says the word of God is living and powerful. How many believe that the word of God is alive? That when you read the word, that if you read it in a different season, it will jump out and touch your heart like never before. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even into the division of soul and spirit and of joint and marrow and is a discerner of the thought and intents of the heart. That means that when I allow the word to remain in me and get into my heart, it reveals motives. It reveals my heart. It rips me open. And now as I begin to study the word, the word now begins to study me and say, Aaron, listen, you got pride here. or You got unforgiveness here. and You got junk here. Because you see, the closer I try to get to God, all this junk begins to rise up in me. All these, all these things. God, I never, I never knew I still had unforgiveness. I never knew I still had bitterness. I never knew that I had all this anger. You know, during this season of healing, during these last five months, and and we're still going through it. I haven't arrived. There's, there is no. Can I say this? There's no arrival point. There is no finish line in this walk of God. The finish line is heaven, but there is no finish line here on the earth. And so during this time. As I'm trying to get closer to God, I'm getting further into his word. All of a sudden, all this stuff. I want to say a different word, but I don't want to say it this morning because it's Sunday morning. But all this stuff, all this crap comes up in my life. It does. All this manure begins to rise up in my life. Come on. Are you hearing this? What do I mean by that? The Bible says this about when there's a tree, literally, he says, when, when there's a tree, he says this. He says, he found this tree, and it wasn't, it wasn't showing any fruit. And so, because it wasn't showing any fruit, he said, let's, let's put some fertilizer around it, which is also manure. And said, let some fertilizer come around it, and let's let that happen for a season and for a year. And let's come back next year and see what happens and see what kind of fruit this produces. If it doesn't produce any fruit, we'll cut it down. And so there are seasons of life where we have to go through like that that are stinky and that are hard to go through, and it reveals the fruit in our life. Are you still with me? I'm staying in the Bible. It's all in the Word. Are you still with me? And so there are seasons in our life that reveal us and produce fruit to see if we're going to produce fruit or not. 
And so as we were going through this, this season, I started to discover all these feelings that I still had that I realized that I wasn't free from. And you see, the closer in, in our path, in our journey, as we try to go after the Lord, God begins to reveal the junk in our life and the stuff in our life that we, we thought we were rid of. Maybe you thought you forgave that person. All of a sudden, they show up at a wedding or they show up at a birthday party or they show up in church. And then you've seen them and you thought you, was for, you for, forgave them. And guess what? All that offense begins to rise back up in you. All that hurt, all these memories. And you thought you was free from that. But you see, we'll never conquer what we refuse to confront. And so there are times in our life where we have to learn how to confront these things. The Word of God confronts me. The Word of God confronts me. When I read the Word, it confronts me. I don't read the Word to try to look through it and, and say, you know, what can I, how can I bash people with this Word? I use it because it confronts me. Annie, can you come to the keys just for a moment? The Word, it transforms me into His likeness. The Word, it, just, it transforms me into His likeness. We no longer are conformed to the pattern of this world, but we're, we're renewed in our minds by the Word of God, and it causes transformation. Are you still with me? The Word of God causes transformation. So I want to I go back to the dinner table. Now watch this. So here's Jesus. Remember, I started off at the dinner table. Jesus is at the dinner table, and Lazarus is now sitting with him. What does this represent? This represents fellowship. This represents communion with Jesus. Remember, we took communion earlier? So now what this represents is communion. This represents connection with God, spending time with Jesus. Notice, Lazarus was still at the tomb. Lazarus, it was just a few days ago when Lazarus came out of the tomb. Now, now he's sitting at the table with Jesus. Now he's, instead of out with the guys or somewhere else, he finds himself here at the table with Jesus, getting to know more about Jesus, getting to know the heart of God. The only way that you can know someone is to spend time with them. Here's Jesus. He's sitting at the table with, with a, a miracle. Now, here's the amazing thing about this. The only way that we, we can be free from, from sin is when I'm in communion with Jesus. So now watch this. And here is Lazarus. He's sitting at the table. And out of nowhere, a lady walks in, and it's Mary. It's the sister of Lazarus. Mary, we know her as a worshiper. We know her as a lover of Jesus. And so Mary walks in and she's holding something. She's holding this jar. She's holding this, this box, the Bible calls it. It's a very expensive box of perfume. And as she comes in with this box of perfume, she comes in and everybody is, everything stops. If you could just imagine a lady walking in right now and just walking to the front, everything would stop and all eyes is on Mary. And they're like, what is she doing? And so Mary in this moment here comes up to Jesus and she does something that completely blows everybody's mind. She took this jar of perfume 
there are all kind of people in the room. There are people outside of the house. You got to understand, there were hundreds of people there that day because they heard that Lazarus was there, the one that was dead. They heard that Jesus was there. And because Lazarus was raised from the dead, it drew a crowd. They're like, I got to see Lazarus. I got to see this man that was once dead, but now he's alive. And because of that, it brought people to Jesus. And so here's Mary, and she walks in, not afraid of what people may think about her, not afraid of the crowd or what's going on around her. She walks in, and instead of, you know, unscrewing the cap of the container, she, she goes ahead and she breaks it. She breaks this container. And when she broke it, she poured everything out on Jesus. She anointed him. Instantly, people got upset. Judas, for one, he said, we could have took, you know, this, sold it. There was about 300 denarii there, he said, which equals out to about one year's wages. So thousands of dollars, this thing was worth. Maybe $100,000 in today's system. This was worth a lot of money. And she goes, she takes everything that maybe she had at the moment and says, you know what? I want to give it to Jesus. You see, when we go through something, her brother was healed. And so to her, this was a priceless moment. To her, she was like, how can I offer it? How can I offer up just nothing to God? I got to give everything to Jesus. And so in this moment, she broke it open and she gave it to the Lord. What was she saying when she broke it? She was saying, I'm not, I'm not going back. She said, I want to give it all. I don't want to be controlled. If she was, if she was going to just unscrew the cap, she could have gave a little bit and saved some for herself. She could have just gave a little bit and saved some for herself. But the fact that she broke it, she said, you know what? I don't want to hold nothing back. I want to give it all to the Lord. That's what worship looks like. That's discipleship. That's a lover of Jesus. That's saying somebody saying, listen, this is going to cost me something. So I want to give it all to the Lord. She didn't want to be controlled in the way that she lived for God. She wanted to give it all. And when she intentionally became completely devoted to Jesus, it would cause us to do something that looks very odd. It looked odd to the people around her. You know what's even troubling? That when we're a worshiper of Jesus and we're completely devoted to the Lord, it may even look odd to Christians, other church people. That's what's troubling. That even in, in a setting like this, somebody could be completely devoted to the Lord. You would think that you feel comfortable in here. This is a safe place to go ahead and pour your heart out to Jesus. But sometimes, even in a setting like this, there are people that looking, oh man, they ain't got to go through all that. You ain't got to go ahead and sing that loud. You don't have to. Well, the thing is, is that if Mary could speak, she said, well, you don't know what happened in my family and how God saved my family around this room. There are miracles in this room. Just because you're sitting here today makes you a miracle. The greatest miracle is salvation. Always remember that. I thank God for healing. I thank God for opening blinding eyes, blinded eyes and healing different things. But you know what? The greatest miracle is Jesus. It's what he did on the cross. Whether the Lord heals or doesn't heal, it's Jesus. Jesus when that's the greatest miracle that we can all have 
So today, the question is this. Will you abide in his word? Will you be a a devoted worshiper to, to the Lord? Will you say, you know what? I've, I've gotten born again, but now I need to grow in the Lord. And that's that's called discipleship. See, I intentionally, God intentionally wanted to speak this word to us here today because it's one thing to give our hearts to Jesus, but it's another thing to live our daily lives for Jesus. It's another thing when on Tuesday and Wednesday when things start getting hard and, and the music stops and the lights are off and, and you don't no longer hear the, hear the preacher anymore, will you still serve the Lord? That's why it's so important to, to have a daily walk with God. Stay in His Word, to abide in His Word. And when we abide in His Word, His Word will abide in us and truly will be His disciples. He'll teach us how to love. He'll teach us how to be patient. Teach us how to walk in the Spirit. He'll teach us to how to have faith. He'll teach us how to act when we're up against hard times. When we're in good times, He'll teach us how to act that we don't forget about the Lord in the good times. God told the Israelites that. He said, watch now when you get into the town and you, you get houses you didn't build and you inherit fruit of the land that you didn't even have to plow. He said, don't forget about the Lord. Remember the Lord. See, it's, it's harder to serve the Lord sometimes in the good times because we forget about that. We, for, we, forget, about, we forget about the Lord and our need for Him. But today, God is asking, would you be his disciple? Would you grow in the Lord? I want to ask every person this question. It's time to respond. This is the time of the message where you say, you give your amen to it. You say, I'm ready to respond. And you say, you know what? I'm ready to, I, I need to, to do something to grow in the Lord. Every Wednesday night, we have Bible study on Wednesday nights right here. And it's just not for a handful who can make it. It's for everyone. It's for all of us. And I understand some sometimes work schedules, you, you can't make it. But if you can make it on Wednesday nights, we have Bible study on Wednesday nights. Youth is here in the sanctuary. We, we have the adult class in the Lifehouse. There are different opportunities for you to come and grow in faith. We have food pantry the second Saturday of each month. You can come and serve. Pastor, I don't know if I'm called to do that. We're all called to serve. There are different opportunities where we can get involved and grow in our faith. Well, pastor, you know, I'm just now giving my heart to the Lord. i got to take my time with it. Can I ask you a question? Did you take your time when you was fooling around the world? Did you, did, did, did you do things in moderation when you was maybe running from God and doing things like that away from God? Well, you know, i got to take my time. I can't, can't go out too much. God is saying, you know what? The best way to do this is to jump in. Because today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. You know how you grow in your faith? By allowing God to use you. Grow in your faith. Pastor, I'm too fragile. I'm, I can't be used of the Lord yet. Yes, Lazarus, Lazarus was probably one of the biggest witnesses right there because when they came to the house to see Lazarus. They wanted to see Lazarus, and because of that, it brought them to Jesus. Allow God to use you that you came out of darkness to bring glory to the Lord, to see people saved. Amen? Let's all stand to our feet. Let's close our eyes. Jesus, we love you. 
Jesus, we thank you for salvation. We thank you that you're our miracle. And today, Lord, everyone in this room, Lord, we were called out of darkness into your marvelous light. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give an invitation first for salvation. If you're here today and Jesus Christ is not Lord of your life, he is, you, you need forgiveness of your sin. If that's you, just slip a hand up. Come on. You want to accept Jesus. Amen. If you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor? I'm ready. I, I want to get discipled. I want to grow in my faith. I want to grow in the Lord. Raise your hand up real high if that's you. Come on. Amen. Hands up everywhere. Let's just pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, come on, raise your hands to the Lord. God, I want to be your disciple. I want to abide in your word. And I need your word to abide in me. So Jesus, be glorified. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to grow in my faith. I want to grow in the Lord in every area. In Jesus' name. Let's sing that song. Speak Jesus. I want us to learn this song. Let's all stay standing. We want to worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that we begin to grow in the Lord. Come on. I want to be your disciple, Jesus. I want to grow in my faith. Come on. As many as could. Let's draw near. Come on. Let's come around the altar. Come on. Let's give all of our worship to the Lord. Come on. Let's learn this song. Let's speak Jesus. Come on, we're not getting in a rush. Hallelujah. Come on, let's sing. Come on. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Come on, sing that out. I just want to speak. Over every heart and every mind. Cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus and I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break There is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every strong. Shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. I just want to speak. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety. I speak Jesus. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. 
Give it up for Jesus. Come on, all over this place. Come on. Hallelujah. Let's remain standing. Um, we're going to give up to the Lord today. Adam, can you help us out? As you prepare yourself to give, I just want to have a few announcements. Remember, Wednesday nights, 7 o'clock. Come on out for Bible study. It's so important to grow in the Lord. Grow in faith. Every Wednesday night, Bible study. We have a, a special guest at the end of this month. Our very own youth pastor, Rev. Jake, will be ministering the last Sunday of April. Coming up. And then looking ahead in May, we have a very good friend of ours coming to minister. Uh, his name is Pastor David Castrillion. You, you met him on the night that Pastor Mike McDermott was here. Okay? You wasn't here that night, you missed. You missed it. That's all I can say. If you wasn't here, you missed it. Pastor David can show you we'll be ministering. And then also, our very good friend, Minister of the Gospel, Benny Bennett, will be also ministering that morning. Crazy thing is that Benny and Pastor David is first cousins. And so they're going to be uh, here on that Sunday morning ministering. That's May 22nd. Okay? It's happening in May. So just a few things happening.